0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. All right. Good morning, Father's House. How's everybody doing? You going to come watch that movie with me? Yeah, it looks pretty high speed. I'm really, really looking forward to it. So let's get our tickets and let's pack this place out. It's just not for the Father's house. Let your friends know, your family know. Again, I think we can put 440 or 452 people in here, depending on how many extra chairs we put. Let's pack this place out for that movie. Okay, so if you have your Bible with you today or your phone or whatever you use to contact the Scriptures, let's hold this up and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It's life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess. My mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I am obedient, I will never be the same again in Jesus' name, amen." So let me remind you, a life hack, you know, it's a trick, a shortcut, or a tip that helps everyday life easier. But with technology, some life hacks just go out of style and they're no longer useful. So today I'd like to look at some old-school life hacks. I'm going to need a help, so Josiah, come on up here, buddy. Give my, hand, give my little buddy a hand as he comes on up here. Come right over here, young man. We're going to give you this microphone. You got to hold it right up all here. All right. All right. So I'm going to ask you a series of four questions. Got a prize for you, so I want to see if you can figure out what these items are. Okay? Should be pretty easy. All right. Ooh, that's what a hard this? one. What um, is this? A pencil. A pencil. So close, Josiah. So close. It's not a pencil. It's what we use to fast forward the cassette tape to get right past the lead so when we made our mixtapes, it would start and get the whole song. But so close, buddy. So close. All right. All right. So speaking of mixtapes, what is this? Shout it out when you know it. A quarter. So close again, Josiah. This was the weight that we put on the arm of the record player to keep it from skipping when we made our mixtapes. But so close, bro. You're doing good. You are doing good. Okay. So, your dad's a man's man. I know he's got tools. What is this? My gut's telling me... Begins with a P? Pliers. Pliers. Again, buddy, buddy. So close. This is what we used to turn the channel on the TV when the knob broke off. And if your dad had a really good toolkit, we use vice grips because it would stay up there on the channel connector. Okay, man, all right, so one more. Come on, I want you to win this right. prize now. Come on, let me dig this last one out of here. What is this? A coat hanger. No, what is it, audience? It's an antenna for the TV when the antenna broke. But, bro, I love you, man. There you go, man. But do you know what these are? Pixie sticks. Pixie sticks, yes. Have you ever had a monster drink or a Red Bull or anything? I'd be too wild with one. <laughs> okay. So this is the original monster. This is the original one. I once ate a pack of these and ran from Jersey to Delaware in six minutes. We'll use these. <laughs> Old school, old school. (coughs) Excuse me. All right, so we know that some of these old school life hacks have gone out of style because they're no longer useful. But what we've learned in our series is life hacks from Proverbs or the biblical wisdom that we're learning from Proverbs never goes out of style. It is always good for us. And so last week, Pastor Ben did such a great job in teaching us about the monster within and how to control it. I had to confess to him afterwards, I was like, buddy, because you know, Pastor Ben and I are pretty good friends, I was like, if you wanted to counsel me, you could have took me out for coffee instead of just preaching to me in front of everybody. I don't know about you, but that one hit home for me, how to control that monster within. It was a really good teaching. If you missed it, or if you missed any of the series so far, please go back online and look at our summer series. So let's just jump right in today. So the Beatles told us a hard day's night has you working like a dog. George Thurgood told us to get a haircut and get a real job. Donna Summer told us she works hard for the money. (laughs) Dire Straits told us we need to get our money for nothing and our chicks for free. (laughs) Average white man told us I've got work to do. Anybody know the average white man? Okay, a couple people there. Yeah, musicians, I know that. Right, right, right. Cool Moe D. said I go to work. Huey Lewis told us, We're taking what we're getting because we're working for a living. George Strait and Kenny Chesney told us our lives can just be a big old pile of shift work. Loverboy told us everybody's working for the weekend. Carrie Underwood told us we need a smoke break. The Bengals told us it's just another manic Monday. And Johnny Paycheck told us to take this job and uh, you get the picture. So other than the seven dwarfs singing hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go, very happily, there's not a lot of songs these days about work being good. But isn't that kind of the picture that the world wants you to believe? And media reinforces this. Movies like 9 to 5 and The Devil Wears Prada show us that all bosses are bad. Prince and Raspberry Beret told us to do something close to nothing but different than the day before. And our buddies, our unemployed buddies, all tell us that we should take no stuff or no mess on our job, right? That's why there are unemployed buddies. But have you ever wondered what God says about work and what he says about a work ethic? Today we're going to see what King Solomon and other authors in the Bible have to say about work and being a worker. So the title of the teaching today is very simple. It's just, P.S., it's all God's work. See, our work as a Christian, like everything else in our life, is a reflection of who we are and of the truth that we proclaim. Paul writes in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, in the work you are giving, do the best you can. Work as though you are working for the Lord, not for an earthly master. Remember, you will receive your reward from the Lord who will give you what he promised his people. Yes, you are serving Christ. He is your real master. So as Christians, our work ethic should set the example in the workplace, no matter where you work or what kind of job that you have. But you're out there thinking, but Tim, bro, you don't know anything about my job, the people that I work with, the boss that I have. So just as long as I talk about Jesus every now and then, maybe I'll just invite somebody to that movie. It really doesn't matter because, you know, I'm not a preacher. I'm just a laborer. A cook, a teacher, a business owner, a plumber, an electrician. I don't get to work in the church surrounded by Christians all day long. I trade with you every now and then. How about that? <laughs> but I haven't done this all of my life. didn't have glamorous or easy jobs when I was younger. I counted up starting from the age of 12, and I think that I got them all. 33 jobs, and I haven't listed them all here, but ranging in no particular order, from farm work, roofing, concrete, picked peppers as an adult for a living, stevedore on the docks, installed liquid liners in 18-wheelers, I was a dishwasher, a cook, a tech in a patient psych hospital. Bro, I actually assisted somebody who had their own backyard body shop. Can you believe that? I know you don't want me coming down there working. (laughs) So again, I was a tech in an inpatient psych hospital, I worked on the GM car line, I worked for the county road department, I had various positions with HRS in the Department of Children and Family, I was a pharmaceutical street sales rep, some of you got that, (laughs) a sandblaster, and now thankfully a pastor. But see, my work ethic was not always good. But as I grew in my relationship with God, I realized that I needed to apply the life hack or the wisdom of Proverbs 16.3. And this is from the Amplified, but I won't shout at you today. It says, commit your works to the Lord, submit and trust them to him, and your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and his guidance. So what's Solomon trying to tell us here? Real easy. Commit your work to the Lord submit just trust him and if you do whatever plan you have will succeed see early on well not early on but a while ago I began to realize that my work ethic it reflects my testimony it reflects who I am the work ethic I developed in my previous job then led me to the opportunity that God has blessed me with now So what I'd like to do is take a few moments to look as employees or volunteers, because maybe you're not working right now, through Proverbs, to see the habits and mindsets that maybe describe ourselves as an employee. So if you haven't started working, you haven't gotten that first job yet, or maybe you're in between jobs, I want you to please just listen and learn to be prepared for that first job. But if you're retired, maybe look at this as your volunteer ethic either in the community or perhaps here in the house of God. So we're going to start. We're going to highlight two types of employee that Solomon gives warning about. Now, he gives more than two, but we're just going to look at two today. Okay? The first one is just straight up the lazy person. Solomon describes this person in Proverbs 24, 30 through 34, and this comes from the message. He says, One day I walked by the field of old lazy bones, and then passed the vineyard of a slob. They were overgrown with weeds, thick with thistles, all the fences broken down. I took a long look, and I pondered what I saw. The fields preached a sermon, and here's the key, and I listened. A nap here, a nap there. I'm going to tell you about a nap later on. (laughs) A day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? just this you can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest so what's solomon trying to tell us here i think he's trying to tell us that work matters not only does it matter on the day to day but it matters for your overall life it matters in every aspect of your life be that your work be that your personal relationships your relationship with god but let's look at this for a moment. See, lazy people come in all shapes, sizes, colors, and denominations. Did you know that, yes, even Christians can fall into laziness if they're not purposeful? See, it becomes real easy sometimes to look at your job and say, it's just a menial job. It doesn't really matter. All oh, i them just get bored with it. I just do enough to get by. I understand that. Working on the GM car line was not the most exciting job in the world. You took the spot welder and you hit, hit, hit. Next car, hit, miss, miss, miss. Next car, miss, miss, miss. Some early 80s cars out there, guys, coming off the GM line that are missing some spot welds, so just be careful. You probably fixed a couple, bro. (laughs) The point is, sometimes... We begin to take what we do for granted. We say, it really doesn't matter. I can just do enough to get by. Solomon warns against this. See, the mottos of the lazy person include, it's not my job. How about this one? Have you ever said this? I don't get paid enough to do that. I'm alone? Thank you. There's a couple honest people out here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's not my job. I don't get paid that. I can't help you now. I'm on break. I can't help you. Along with always whining about work, lazy people exhibit these signs at work. But not only at work, in their personal life and in their spiritual life. See, if we're lazy at work, we're probably lazy in our personal relationships. And we're probably even lazier in our spiritual life, spending time with God, trying to grow. Because if we were doing this, the reverse would be true and we wouldn't be lazy. Old Lazy Bones complains about what he didn't get. Jimmy talked about this two weeks ago when he was talking about giving as his employees their evaluations, and some of them upset about it, and he looked at him and said, show me what you did that you think you deserve a better evaluation. Old Lazybones criticizes others who have worked for what they have. Proverbs 13 and 4 tells us this, lazy people always want things but never get them. Those who work hard get plenty. And the plenty here can come in many different aspects. It may come financially. It may come in better personal relationships. It may come in a better relationship with God, better family relationships. Old Lazy Bones uses self-delusional excuses, especially with calling off from work. You know, I spent 15-plus years in management, and this may be the best call-off I've ever heard, and it's from Proverbs 22, 13. Again, from the Amplified. The lazy one manufactures excuses and said, there's a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets if I go off to work. Now that's a pretty good excuse. Frank, you ever try that one, man? Okay. <laughs> Not that one, me neither, buddy. Might should have tried that a few years ago, though. Old Lazy Bones has no motivation to start <coughs> Excuse me. on the job. I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll take a day off. Nothing wrong with taking a day off. We all need to rejuvenate, as long as we are putting out the work that is expected of us. At home, old Lazy bones says, I'd just rather take a nap. I'll watch TV rather than get things done. At church, ah, I'll start the Bible reading plan next time. I don't need to do that now. The fast, nah, maybe next quarter I'll fast. Old Lazy bones says this, Maybe next time I'll go to growth track. Maybe I'll find somewhere to serve. Besides, it's not my job. I don't get paid to do anything around here. To sum it up, old lazy bones has big dreams but no follow-through. Proverbs 21-25 tells us this. Lazy people will cause their own destruction because they refuse to work. So the second person that Solomon wants to teach us about is called the deceiver. Solomon describes this person in Proverbs 11 and 13. A wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. See, the deceiver says things like this. Don't worry about it. Come on, come on, come with me. We do it this way. Everybody's doing it. How about this? When you were young and you gave that excuse to your mom, did she ever say this? If everybody jumped off the bridge, would you jump off too? (laughs) Well, see, old lazy bones just, or the deceiver rather just says, come on, we don't have to work hard. Everybody's doing it. Come on, we can take an extra 30 minutes for lunch. Everybody's doing it. How about this one? The deceiver says, they owe it to me. I work hard around here. See, the deceiver is the person who works harder at doing nothing but looking busy, especially when the boss is around or portrays themselves as somebody they are not to gain favor. So I told you I'd tell you about taking a nap later. Let me tell you about when I was a deceiver employee, not serving the Lord. I worked for the Salem City Dress Factory. Okay, It was a manufacturing plant that manufactured dresses. Big warehouse. I worked in the warehouse and the rolls of fabric were so huge. They were stacked floor to ceiling and they were so big that you had to move them with a forklift. So what we would do is we would um, move some of the rolls and create like a little hole in there and then we would all take turns going up there and taking a nap. So yeah, I was actually that deceiver who took a nap on my job again before I was following and serving the Lord. The deceiver has no loyalty. They'll jump the ship when things don't go their way, and tell their own version of what happened to anyone that will listen. Solomon gives us a lot more examples of people on the job that we don't want to be. See if you can find them as you are reading and listening to the proverb of the day. Today's the 16th. You should be reading Proverbs 16. I want to just stop here for a minute and just tell you something that God dropped into my spirit. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it was only for me. So Pastor Terry asked us all to, you know, we're doing the Bible reading plan, or maybe you're doing your own devotions in the morning, and he asked us to include the proverb of the day. If you're not familiar with the proverb of the day, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So whatever the date is, that's the chapter of Proverbs that you read. On the 30th, if there's no 31st day, read 30th and the 31st. And he wants us to continually do that. He's asked us actually to do this for the rest of our life because of the wisdom that we can glean from there. So I was kind of getting into the mode of doing my devotions, reading the um, the U version. Oh, proverb of the day. Check, 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 check. So God impressed upon me to take a different time of the day. So maybe like my lunch hour or a break or even in the evening, a specific dedicated time for only the proverb of the day so that I can really take in that wisdom and not just check it off in the morning like it's something that I have to do. And I've been getting a lot more out of it doing it that way. Actually, this morning it was about 2 a.m. when I was up doing the proverb of the day. Couldn't sleep. So what what a great time to get up and take in some wisdom from God. So, but fortunately, Solomon also teaches us the qualities of a worker that truly know that they are working unto God. We're going to look at the diligent employee or the diligent volunteer. Proverbs 10.4 describes this worker. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. See, the word diligent here means sharp, decisive. This person is disciplined and determined, avoiding distractions, making good use of time. I don't know about you, but I want to be a sharp, decisive person. My wife wants me to be a sharp, decisive person and pull the trigger on making decisions. I tend to overthink things. Anybody else out there? Anybody else is an overthinker of things, a couple of you out there, I appreciate that. So I have an older brother who is just like my hero. He's like my buddy-buddy. But he also knows that I will research and overthink things. He and I have some hobbies that we share. Firearms is one of them. So he made mention to me, he's thinking about purchasing. He works in a gun store. I mean, great job, right? So he's thinking about purchasing this firearm and this holster, knowing that I will spend the next forever making the world's biggest spreadsheet on the pluses and minuses and which holster is going to fit and which light laser and which red dot is going to go on there. And then I will send that to him and do all the research for him. He gets me like that often. And then he makes a quick decision and I'm still back and forth, this screen, this screen, this screen, this screen. But I don't want to be that person. I want to be more decisive. Now. In the purchasing of a holster, it's not that big of a deal. But in making a decision that impacts my family, that impacts my spiritual life, that impacts my work here at the church in helping others find freedom, I need to be decisive. I need more Holy Spirit. I need to listen to Holy Spirit more and be confident in making those decisions. So I want to be a more diligent employee. I hope some of you out there are with me on that one. See, also implied here in the Hebrew is a person who is perceptive. We would say not a list doer, but a list maker. When I was a manager at, at Department of Children and Families, for different positions, list doers were fine. Boom dcf we had pretty much do 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 it came it was just the way you had to do things but for some of the upper echelon management and training positions i needed list makers i needed somebody who could think outside the box somebody who could come up with a plan and help us move forward see this employee or volunteer is a wealth of plans and idea as solomon writes in proverbs 20 21 5 the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance and advantage The idea of the word plans is constantly creating and shaping new ideas. If you're volunteering, say you're here and um, you, you are serving on a team. We want ideas, okay? Don't just think that we've got it all figured out here. We really don't, okay? We love your ideas but there's a difference between presenting an idea to the team lead and complaining and telling the team lead that what they're doing is wrong and how things should be. I'm gonna use the worship team as an example, okay? so. Again, I, I'm, I don't play any instruments. I think I can play percussion, but probably can't stay on beat because when Pastor Andrea says, let's all clap together, she's kind of looking at me in advance, right? Okay, and I'm a wannabe singer, but that's not going to happen. So I don't know a lot about music, but I know there's a couple things because I know Pastor Andrea, and I know she is open to suggestions because she wants excellence not necessarily excellence for excellence sake but excellence to lead us to the throne of God so I can see this in praise and worship practice okay at one point during this during during the practicing of a song maybe someone will say pastor andrea maybe we should go back to the bridge at this point in time i don't even know what that means i just heard him say that right (laughs) now that sounds like a pretty good suggestion pastor andrea maybe we should go back to the bridge at this point in time versus pastor andrea how come we don't ever sing the songs i want to sing how come i can't ever lead? you know what we should sing everything this way and not that see the difference there's a difference between suggesting a God-given idea and just complaining for complaining's sake. So we want to be that person that Holy Spirit is speaking new and great ideas to make things better either on your job or where you're volunteering. The next type of employee that Solomon talks about is called the skillful employee or volunteer. Think about your work or service in the past week. If someone looked over your shoulder, would they have seen someone skilled? efficient do you have the technical expertise to carry out your job with competence are you keeping up to date by taking courses reading books listening to podcasts this goes for our spiritual life also if the only time you are taking in anything from god is on sunday morning When one of the pastors is standing up here speaking, you are severely lacking in all that God has for you. You're lacking in the power that he wants to give you. You're lacking in the confidence that Holy Spirit wants to speak through you. You're lacking in the armor of God to take on everything that the world is throwing at you. So we need to be skilled. We need to be listening to podcasts. We need to be reading the Bible. We need to be reading up on new things that, you know, books that people are writing. Music, we need to be listening to worship music and taking in all that Holy Spirit has for us. So I want to give you this quote, and this is by um, Marine General and former Secretary of Defense, Jim Mattis. Um, This quote says this, Be brilliant in the basics. Don't dabble in your job. You must master it. Now, Jim Mattis, along with being a brilliant Marine General, and the former secretary of defense is an expert in leadership. I've really been um, just reading a lot of his leadership books lately and trying to glean everything that he has. He takes what he's learned and taught in the Marine Corps and uses it in everyday life to increase leadership skills. A very, very brilliant man. See, the world needs desperately to see Christians who are skilled in their vocations and care enough to spend time to hone their spiritual and vocational skills. Solomon re- reminds us of the rewards that come to us when we are skilled. He writes, Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. It's Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. 29. And again, some of you may say, Tim, hold up, hold up. My boss is not a king. He or she is. I get it. I've had some of those bosses, okay? I've worked with some bosses that weren't really great leaders. They were just more the tell you what to do or tell you what you did wrong. I had a managerial experience. Ray and I, we've talked about that. I've had a managerial job with the um, state of Florida, it was on the regional level, and I was working for a lady that I admired greatly. She and I had worked many projects together. She hired me on, um, a- a- as a regional manager. First, pro- pr- first project that I did, she sent back like a third grade English paper with red marks all over it. I was like devastated. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking I'm an adult. You know, we could have had a conversation about this. So this was someone who was technically skilled in her job. She was number one, a great social worker, and she was a great project manager. She just didn't have great people skills when it comes to leading her team. So we've probably all done that. But at that point in time, thankfully, I was serving God. And so I'm with you on that, and I had to remind myself again that even though, yes, technically she's my boss, I'm working as unto the Lord, and I still had to give it my best, my all, and honor her and never disrespect her, just give her as much of the the best of my ability as I could. So speaking of bosses, if you are a leader, team leader, volunteer, or maybe you're a boss or a manager, Solomon tells us that we should be what he calls the thoughtful boss. See, as a boss or a supervisor or a team lead, do you manage or lead? See, a long time ago, back in the probably the 60s and 70s, as as leadership and management began to grow, moving from being a boss to a manager was a real plus. If you were a manager, that was great. But then we even learned and we got a little bit smarter and we found out that being a leader is much more important than being a manager. You need to learn how to lead people to get the best out of them, not just manage the work well. You have to lead people and learn who they are. So I could spend a whole teaching on this, but we'll just quickly look at how to lead biblically. See, old school bosses stayed in their offices and told people what to do and how to do it. Think of the, the manufacturing plant, whatever they're manufacturing. you got the workers on the line, and then you got the, the, the boss up there in the window looking over the line. You know, he's got the long sleeve shirt on, the tie that's pulled down here, sleeves are rolled up. And all he's doing is opening the door, opening the window, and hollering down because people are doing things wrong. That's not a boss that I think any of us want to work for. But a transformative leaders. they're thoughtful. They genuinely care about the lives of those they lead. Leaders uplift others, and they hear their workers' wishes. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 tells us this. In whatever you do, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Be humble. Honor others more than yourselves. Don't be interested only in your own life, but care about the lives of others. Again, at Department of Children and Families, we used to call this MBWA, Management by Walking Around. So what I would teach new supervisors was this. Don't stay in your office. You should spend most of your time walking the floor in and out of your employees' offices, okay? Learn who they are. Learn things about their family, okay? If you know that one of your workers' granddaughters plays softball, Hey, next week, find out. How'd she do? How did the game go? Let them know you're interested. See, when you connect with someone personally, it does a couple things. Number one, technically speaking, if I can connect with you personally, I can probably train you better in the technical aspects of the job. Elias and Rochelle are business owners, and they have a very technical job. It's a body shop, all right? I want my body shop repairman to know how to repair the car and repair it well, right? Okay, if they're good people, if they're nice, yeah, that's okay, but I want them to know how to do that. But however, for Elias and Rochelle, and they are great leaders on their job. They are fantastic leaders. They not only rebuild cars, they rebuild lives, They take people who need their lives rebuilt, who have technical expertise, and they lead them, not only to be a better person, but they lead them in the things of God. They pray on their job. They talk to people on their job. And see, they walk around. They get to know. I've had conversations with Elias, and he has shared some things. Not not you know things that like gossipy things but shared things and say tim this is going on with one of my employees would you join me in praying for this personal thing that's going on and they lead and they guide them and i honor them for that that's a that is just who we should always strive to be as we're on our jobs as bosses so they uplift people again marine general and former secretary of defense jim mattis advises leaders to do this He says if you'll combine competence caring and conviction you'll form a fundamental element of leadership think about that competence i mean let's face it especially in the world we live in today with technology you got to be competent okay pastor terry and i are hanging on to yellow pads but we also know we got to know a little bit about computers so you got to be competent on your job okay you have to be caring If you've ever worked for a boss that cared about you you probably felt more like giving more on that job and producing more and then a conviction I think that conviction that that that, um, General Mattis is talking about is an internal conviction to have integrity and to do things the right way excuse me I think that forms the fundamental element of leadership I think I can sum up the whole teaching with colossians 3 25 and this again is from the message i want to take my time and i want this to settle into your spirit being a follower of jesus doesn't cover up bad work it doesn't cover up being a bad employee it doesn't cover up being a bad boss it doesn't cover up being a bad husband or a bad wife bad father bad mother it doesn't cover up being a bad friend wherever your circle of influence, wherever Christ has placed you, whether you're in the work field or whether you're in school. I know it's summertime getting ready to go back to school or whether you're in the community. Just merely being a follower of Christ does not excuse our bad attitudes. Can okay, we all have bad days? That's OK. But it doesn't excuse us continually having bad attitudes. It doesn't excuse us continually not producing the work or the relationship that Christ has called us to to produce either again on the job or with those that you come in contact with. Because see, when it all comes back to it, it's all about him. It's all about what he is calling us to do. Your job in the community, you are all ministers. It is so much more important. Than standing up here and giving a sermon because the people that you will come in contact with on a daily basis I'm never even gonna meet all right you are going to reach far more people on that one-on-one and how do we do that we do that with the integrity of being that worker of being that friend of having that good work and spiritual ethic so we should all follow Jesus example in Luke 2:49 jesus said to them and he was just a child when he said this he was lost wasn't lost he was, His parents thought he was lost when they found him he looked at them and said why'd you have to look for me you should have known i must be where my father's work is at that time it was the temple nowadays your father's work is anywhere he has placed you so remember this god's work is good work and P.S., it's all God's work. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today, please? So, we're going to do two prayers today. The first prayer, I just want to ask you if you would say, Hey, Tim, some of those qualities that you talked about, I really need to be better on my job. I need to be better in my marriage. I need to be better in my community. I need to be better as a volunteer. Because of the qualities that we talked about see they'll earn Christians the great reputation that we need so that when we do open our mouths to share and speak of the witness of Jesus those that we work with will take us seriously we'll be able to live out Matthew 5:16, that says let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and your moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your father who is in heaven So if you would just say to me by an uplifted hand, yeah, Tim, there's some areas I could probably do better on my job. I could do better as a volunteer. And I know your head's about, but I want you to know that my hand is up. I definitely need to do better. I just want to say a prayer for all of us and include all of you in this prayer today. So God, I just thank you for those that have raised their hands. And there's probably others that are sitting here thinking I should raise my hand. I just kind of feel weird about it. And that's okay, because in your heart, you can just connect with God lord help us to be better employees lord give us first the technical skill to do the job well and then father give us the integrity that is christians to always strive for excellence lord help our attitudes to be good even when we're not feeling well even when things are bothering us lord help our lights to shine before men so that our lives will glorify and honor you so that when we do have that moment where we can share what you have done for us maybe not read sermons preach a sermon or read the Bible but just share with a fellow employee or someone in our community they'll say you know what that person's got integrity a person walks what they talk I think I'll listen to them father help us all I ask in Jesus name amen and amen And then for a second, if you just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there's one more group of people I'd like to talk to. Because maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, okay, Tim, yeah, that sounds really good. I should emulate Jesus. But maybe I don't know who Jesus is. Maybe I'm not a follower of him. Or maybe I followed him, but I've become kind of like old lazy bones. I've gotten lazy and just let my spiritual life kind of just drift away a little bit. And if you would like me to include you in a prayer to say, Tim, Hey, I'd like to follow Jesus or I'd like to get my life back closer to him. Would you just raise your hand? I see some hands going up all over the place. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. We're all going to say a prayer together because no one should ever say this prayer by themselves because we're it's called the family of God. So let's all say this prayer together, dear God, I ask you to forgive me of not following you. I want to submit my life to you. As best as I can, I turn my life over to your son, Jesus. I want to walk in your ways and lead others to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.